Let's read uh, God's word. Verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. All yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Our Lord and our God, we come before you in the name of Christ. We are blessed to hear your word. You have given us your word as a seal and promise that we belong to you. And it has been clarified by the true seal, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning. Give us hearts to receive. Give us minds that understand. Give us ears, Lord, that, that not only hear, but seek to apply and let it be applied through the power of your spirit. Lord, I decrease so that you may increase. Become less so that you and you alone can become more. I bring myself, as was prayed over me this morning, I bring myself low. That you may be exalted and brought high. We come under your word this morning, Lord, not over it. Speak to us, Lord. Challenge, correct, encourage. Be glorified. For Christ's sake and for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here, once again, we examine the prayer of Christ for his disciples. And it is hard for us to understand. It is not hard for us to understand why he is praying specifically for his disciples in these verses. He says to God in his prayer, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. These men were to be. His uniquely appointed witnesses in this world, this world that would be naturally opposed to their message. They were to be the foundation stones of the Christian church. They were to be the once for all times laid foundation of the church of Jesus Christ in this world, with Christ himself being the, the chief cornerstone. 
these men were to be the sent out ones. And they were to be sent out into this opposing world, carrying the gospel to the nations. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they would pen the very words of God for his church in this world. And with that said, these disciples were also weak men. These disciples were also vulnerable men. They needed the prayers of their Savior and their great high priest. They needed his prayers even more than they realized. And they would soon come to find out just how much this prayer of the Lord would, would be coveted by them. We saw last time how our Lord Jesus Christ, he prayed for their protection. He was going to the Father. While he was with them, he could protect them. He was, by way of his very presence, able to protect them. But now he's going away. He is going to the Father. These men had not known one day for the past three and a half years without the presence of Christ being with them. And now, almost suddenly, though they had been warned over and over again, almost suddenly in their own minds, he is going away. So he says and prays, Father, protect them. Father, preserve them. Father, keep them. There is a world that hates them. There is an enemy, an evil one who is bent on bringing them down. There is indwelling sin in their own hearts. Father, protect them. Now in verses 17 through 19, our Lord prays not for their protection, but for their sanctification. He prays for, first for their conservation, and he prays secondly for their consecration. He prays first for their conservation, and he prays secondly for their consecration. And here before us, we have a comprehensive prayer from our great high priest. And what does he pray? What is it that he prays as the, the shadow of the cross draws near upon the human soul of our Savior? What is it that he prays as he prepares to leave these weak and vulnerable men whom the father has chosen out of this world to be his inspired apostles in this world? Our Lord prays for their protection. He prays for their sanctification. He prays for their unification. And he prays that one day they would see his glorification. Our Lord sees these prayers. As their greatest needs. Our Lord sees these prayers as their greatest needs. Do you see these prayers? Do you see these requests? As your greatest needs. Do you see these as the most pressing requests that one could pray for your life? It was the most important things that Christ saw. Necessary to pray for our lives. That protection from the world, from the flesh and from the devil. Sanctification from the world, from the flesh and from the devil to God. Unification with the body of Christ and that one day you may see his glory. These were his, were his greatest and most pressing prayers for us. Do you see these as your greatest needs? Because our Lord does. This morning, I would like us to consider five foundations or found five points found within these passages. 
And they will be formed in the form of a question. Number one question is this. What does it mean to be sanctified? What does it mean to be sanctified? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 17. What does it mean to be sanctified? Very simply, the word sanctified means to be set apart. To be set apart. But to be set apart specifically for God and for his service. Someone who is sanctified is someone who has been set apart by God to be his sole possession. In this sense, all believers have been sanctified. In this sense, all believers have been set apart. There are many who would look at other so-called believers and assume that they have not been set, set apart in spite of their profession of faith. And we need only read Paul's letter to the church of Corinth in order to resolve our conflicts concerning whether or not we believe one person is sanctified or not. Paul writes to the church in Corinth with all of its mess, with all of its confusion, with all of its misapplication of true Christianity. First Corinthians one, two to the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be together saints, those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and our Lord. Sanctification is the is what the great sixth chapter of the book of Romans is all about. In Jesus Christ, our dying with him and our rising with him, we have been set apart Holy to God. Romans 6.22. But now you have been set free from sin. And you have become slaves of God. The fruit you, you, the fruit you get. Leads to sanctification. And it's end eternal life. Romans 6.22. In Christ alone. Sin and its guilt. Has been vanquished. In Christ alone. Sin's prevailing power and its shame have been vanquished. We are not our own. We have been bought with a, with a price if we have trusted in Christ alone. We have been set apart by God. Second question is this. When does sanctification happen? In one sense, you have been sanctified before the foundation of the world. In one sense, you have been sanctified before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Romans eight twenty nine, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You were foreknown by the Father. And you were chosen by the goodwill and pleasure of God. To belong to him. You were given as love gifts. From the Father to the Son. You are the sheep of his pasture. This setting apart has taken place in eternity past. Within the divine eternal choice of the of the Father, Son, and Spirit within the Godhead, you have been chosen and for loved by God. 
And yet, in another sense, sanctification happens at the moment of conversion. At the moment that you, by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, are brought to God, you are set apart. That which has been ordained by God, namely your being chosen in God, is realized at the moment, as Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus in John chapter 3, at the moment when, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the wind begins to blow. It is the moment when, upon hearing the gospel, that the Holy Spirit takes the heart of stone, as Ezekiel 36 says, and gives you a heart of flesh. So that you may repent and trust in Christ for your salvation. That is when sanctification happens. And these disciples had been sanctified. They had been foreknown by God. They had been foreloved by God. They had believed in Christ and taken his words as being the very words of God. They had been set apart. And yet... Jesus is praying that God would sanctify them, that God would set them apart. You may ask, well, I thought that they were set apart. I thought that they had already been sanctified. So then what is Jesus asking when he prays that God would sanctify them? Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What is it then that our Lord is praying for these Set apart, sanctified ones. Jesus is praying this. That these men, that these disciples will, listen, increasingly live lives that manifestly, that publicly and plainly will proclaim who they belong to and to whom they serve. That they will increasingly live lives that will manifestly, publicly and plainly Proclaim who they belong to and to whom they serve. He is praying that their lives will increasingly be marked by a lifestyle and a mindset that proclaims that they are not their own. But they have been bought with a price and that they do belong to another. That they indeed had been set apart and sanctified unto God. Our Lord is praying that the reality of their regeneration would go beyond mere lip service. That the reality of their profession would go beyond mere lip service. That their lives would be evidence to themselves and to the world that they have been brought from death to life in Christ Jesus. That their lives would mark out that they had been brought from the world, this world, into the world of the Son of God and into the kingdom of God. That their lives would mark that they are no longer of this world, just as he is not of this world. This is often hard for us as well. And what he prays for them, he prays for us. And it is difficult for us because we so desperately want to be liked or at least not seen as someone who is so different from the people around us. We have, by the grace of God, been chosen out of this world only to be sent back into this world for the purpose of being a witness for Christ. That the power of God is found in the gospel 
and there lies our salvation. And it is difficult. Because we, whether we'd like to admit it or not, do, want, do not want to be viewed as different by the world. Do not want to be viewed as super spiritual by the world. I was listening to a sermon with some of our, our guys this past week. I won't tell you where the sermon came from. But the minister had said to his congregations, to his congregation, don't pretend to be so spiritual this morning. And I know where he's coming from and I understand the statement. But is that not what we strive for? Amen. To not be like this world, yes. to be holy, to be yes. set apart, yes. to be sanctified. Yes. No, that is what we desire. Yes. We desire yes. to be set apart. Yes. And yet, though we have been chosen out of this world. At the moment that God has chosen us, we would like it very much if when he chose us out of this world, that he would also take us out of this world so that we would not have to deal with this world. And face the opposition of this world, face the temptations of this world. We would like very much so if at the moment of conversion, he also took us immediately to heaven. But that's not the case. Moses wanted out of this world. Elijah wanted out of this world. Jonah wanted out of this world. But, but God would not allow it. Right. Why? Why? What does Jesus pray? I do not ask that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them. Not that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be sent back into the world as radical witnesses to the world. We have been given a mission. And if we are taken out of the world, then we are unable to fulfill the mission that we've been given. Leave them, Father. But protect them. Sanctify them, Father. Don't take them out of the world. Leave them. But protect them and set them apart. He is praying that for you. We hate our job site. You are a missionary to your job site. We hate our family functions. You are a missionary to your family functions. We understand this as parents. We want so badly to protect our children from every evil in this world. But we also know that they will be ever dependent upon us if we never let them go. If we do not allow them to experience the world Without us holding their hands and keeping all evil from them. Then we will be enabling them to continue to cling on to our coattails. And if we do not pry them off, they will never grow up. And be the men and women that God has called them to be in this world and for his glory. I am not praying that you take them out of the world. But protect them. Set them apart. Jesus, the perfect loving Savior, knows how to parent much better than we do. Father, leave them. Send them. And Father, protect them. I'm sure this is what my mother prays for her children every single day. Who go out into this world. Father, protect them. Be with them. Let what they have been learning in church, as you probably pray, let it be taken with them as they go out into this world. 
Number three, how would sanctification be accomplished? How would these men who, how would these men live lives that are marked as being those who had crossed from death to life? Would that great feat be accomplished by their own power, by their own ingenuity? Would this great feat of being sanctified come by way of their own wisdom? No. No, no. Then what is the great means of this sanctification? How is sanctification accomplished? Verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. How will it be that our lives will be marked out as those who who have crossed over from death to life? It will be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. It is God's word that through the transforming, transformating power of the Holy Spirit daily sets us apart from the world, from the flesh and from the devil. The word of God. It is through the power of God's word and through God's spirit that we will increasingly become set apart from this world. That is what our Lord is praying. Father, let them be men that are set apart by God. And it is accomplished, Father, through your word. Sanctify them in your word. Set them apart through your word. That is our calling. If we are believers, we are to live lives that are set apart unto God and to do so through God's word. There is progressiveness to sanctification. And God has a supreme means by which that progressive sanctification takes place. It is through his word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Here, the truth and the word of God are this. God's revelation of the father's name. And that is the name that he gave to his son. Jesus Christ. I am. And the Father are one. There is no unlikeness, unchrist likeness in God. All that is in Christ is of God. He is the revelation of the name of God. Here, the truth and the revelation of God are given to Christ and revealed to Christ. And he then reveals it to his apostles. And then they they take it to the world. Christ is this truth. God's word revealed in his word. It is the truth. The self-disclosure of the father, the son, the spirit are revealed to the apostles. And they were to be the inspired ones who wrote down what they had been revealed or what had been revealed to them to the world. They needed to be strengthened, given perseverance, loved And it would all be accomplished through God's word and they would increasingly be set apart by God. Just as the apostles were sanctified through God's revealed word in the person of Jesus Christ. So Christians today are sanctified, set apart through that revelation of the father in the son. Has been revealed for us and scripturated for us in the word of God. That is how we are set apart through this. That is how 
we are increasingly sanctified every single day through this. As we've said before, we live on this side of that great complex of the of Calvary, resurrection and Pentecost. We have understood the revelation of God because it has been dynamically written down for us to to see and to read and to understand. It is in God's word where God reveals who he infallibly is. It is in God's word that we find a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. That is why the sanctified life, the life that has been set apart unto God for his service and his worship. Listen, is a Bible shaped life. The sanctified life is a Bible shaped life. If you are not being shaped by the Bible, then what on God's green earth are you being shaped by? It is as you meditate on the word of God, as you hear the truth of God, that your life is set apart, sanctified unto God. That you discover, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I have been separated unto God, from sin unto God. I have been delivered Out of this present evil age and brought into the kingdom of the son of God. This is all discovered in God's word. This is all learned in God's word. That is why we need to be Christians who are living lives completely dependent upon not a man. Each Sunday after Sunday. But God revealed in Christ through his word. Every day. It is in God's word. That you find your sustenance of life. Is his word your meat and your drink? Is his word the very air that you breathe? Is his word that which you depend on every single day to survive? Because if it is not. Then you are in danger. And we have so many resources. That are readily available at the click of a button and yet we avoid we ignore and ultimately we are ignorant to God's word we speak of being rescued from the Roman Catholic Church which many of you came from and being rescued unto the true gospel and yet we have taken some of the same bad habits of neglecting or even outright ignoring God's word from our past religion and carried them right with us into true religion One may say, but I'm no longer bound by bad religion. Really? How would you know? You still have the same non-reading habits as you did when you were a part of that false religion. Except now you call your pastor, pastor and not father. We would rather hear short antidotes, short allegories, cute little sayings from heretics. Than from reading the true source of all true faith. And then we wonder, why are we not growing? Why are we having the same kind of responses to the troubles that we used to have 10 years ago? It is because we are not growing in the knowledge and understanding of God's word. But we toss it to the side when we leave this place. And we hope and pray that next week will be better than the previous. You are fooling yourselves, my friends. Our lives are are to be, our lives are consumed with every kind of distraction. Our lives are consumed with every kind of comfort. 
intended on bringing us to ignore or to avoid that which we say we exalt. But yet when it comes time to it, we exalt everything else above it. And then when God's word is preached, we challenge, we question that which if you were reading this, you would find is clearly taught in Scripture. The culture of this world informs you more about what God and who God really is than this does. Go to the average person on the street who is a non-believer. Who is God? God's my father. Have you trusted in Christ? No, I don't believe in the Bible or Christ. Where did you get that from? Well, we all know that God is everyone's father. Oh, my dear friend, you are so wrong. You are so wrong. And how often do we say things in this church that are found nowhere in Scripture? Sometimes we sound like Medea. And some of the things that she quotes... First Corinthians that does not even exist in the Bible. And though it is funny, it is a, a, a joke that is based in reality. I am often ashamed of myself when I read the works of John Owen, Richard Baxter and Sibs. How do they know all these things? How were they able to see all these things so much clearer than I with all the resources that are available to myself? It's because they spent time reading. They spent time studying. They weren't distracted by YouTube or Xbox or Paw Patrol. My son. Not me. And I sometimes think that we are in love with the idea of biblical knowledge. And yet we are not in love with what it takes to acquire biblical knowledge. We are in love and admire those who are able to come and give great sermons filled with wonderful biblical theology. And we will stand in awe and we will go home, flop ourselves on our couches and watch TV for the rest of the day. It is through reading. It is through studying. It is through pondering. It is through hiding his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. That we grow in the knowledge and understanding of our great God. I challenge you. I challenge you this morning. Dive headlong into the source of life and let it be your meat. Let it be your drink. Robert Dabney says, truth has not adequate efficiency to sanctify by itself. Yet it has a natural adaptation to be the means of sanctification. Listen. In the hands of the Holy Spirit. Meaning this. Truth does not work as as Rome would say. Ex opere operato. From the work worked. Meaning this. It does not work just by it doing its own thing. Don't miss the point. How do I grow in grace? How do I become increasingly set apart to the master? How does my life become increasingly set apart for the purposes of God? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, but it is not truth on its own. The truth of God will only be effective with the help and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John Owen, all ways and means without the Holy Spirit are of not. Without the Holy Spirit, it is all a fool's errand. 
The natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are folly to him. And they are not able to understand because they are spiritually discerned. Philip was taken by the Holy Spirit to an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting on the side in his chariot reading the 53rd book or 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Philip comes up to this Ethiopian and says, do you understand what you are reading? He says, how can I? Unless someone is able to interpret it for me. Philip filled with the Holy Spirit explained the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And this man at that moment became a believer and says, what what should I do to be saved? Be baptized. There's water here. Let's do it. He could not do it on his own, though. It took Philip being used by the Holy Spirit to explain that which the Spirit had said. And then the Spirit of God works in this Ethiopian eunuch's heart to say, let me declare to the world that I now belong to Christ. You need the Holy Spirit. Without him, you can do nothing. You can read all day long. You can study all day long. Ask atheists to do that. Ask atheists who sometimes know scripture better than the average Christian. But they don't believe. Why? Because they have not the Spirit of God. Do you depend on God's word and on his spirit? Do you live by the help of the Holy Spirit and by the instruction of God's word? The early church could not get enough of God's word. After Peter's sermon, a great number was added and they devoted themselves to what? They were passionately committed to the apostles' teachings. They could not get enough. They could not get enough. And we think one or two exposures to God's word per week is enough. Let me put this into perspective for you. John Calvin would teach nine times a week. Nine times a week. Would you come to church nine times a week if we were preaching nine times a week? Why? Because he believed that people were sanctified by God's word. That is where we're sanctified, not in programs. Not in barbecues, not in get-togethers, but in the hearing and applying of God's word. Yes, that was a different time. Less distractions, of course, but the principle is still the same. Is God's word your meat and your drink? Ian Hamilton, the reason why we don't live lives set apart unto God is because we are so little impregnated with the revelation of God in Scripture. The reason why we don't live set apart lives unto God is because we are so little impregnated with the revelation of God in Holy Scripture. You are feeling guilt this morning. You're feeling shame. Do something about it then. Don't walk out of here with your head held low. But right now make a commitment. I want to know my God. I want to understand scripture. I want to be someone who is able to explain to unbelievers what God has said. Then go do something about it. Go do something about it. Don't fall asleep in church when word is being preached. Don't read your Bible when someone is preaching to you the Bible in church. Go home and do it on your own time and fill yourself. Impregnate yourself with his word. 
is the truth of God that we are being exposed to. And listen, we are to be shaped by this truth and we are to be mostly exposed to that truth here in church. This is why the church has been established. And then go home and pass it on to your workplace, to your children, to your family. Let me move on. Verse uh, number four. What was to be the purpose of the disciples sanctification? What's the purpose of their of their sanctification? We read in verse 10 that the purpose was ultimately to bring glory to the father and to the son. But here Jesus highlights the missionary purpose of sanctification. The missionary purpose of sanctification. Verse 17 and 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. They are to be sanctified because they are going out as his missionary apostles. Missionary apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Now, just as Christ was sanctified and sent into the world, so the apostles are also sanctified and sent into the world. Do you see a pattern? Who comes next? You. Christ was sent into the world. His disciples were sent into the world by Christ. And you too are also sent into the world for the same purpose by Christ. To proclaim the good news of the gospel. To proclaim the holiness of God. The sinfulness of man. The forgiveness that is found. And the grace that is found in the perfect work of Christ our Lord. On behalf of those who will repent and trust in Christ alone. To proclaim and to warn the cost of following Christ And to declare the wonderful reward and gift in Christ. That he is our reward. And if these disciples were to make any impact on the world. They needed to be sanctified by the truth. Helped by the Holy Spirit. If you and I are to make any impact in this world. We are going to need to be sanctified by the truth of God. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cannot miss this missionary picture. It is a picture of this. It is a picture of the church not sitting back and having little Bible studies and coffee shops talking about what's your purpose in life? What do you think it is? It's not church. It's not the members of the church getting together and, and gathering in little coffee shops talking about what do you think sanctification looks like? How do you think? Well, that's interesting. Never heard it that way. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. But it is Christ's disciples, Christ called out ones, being launched into a world that is opposed to the gospel and trusting that God will bring his very elect to himself through the hearing and preaching of the gospel. Not wasting our time saying, give me a double latte and add some latte to it. But going out into this lost and dying world, as was done last night at the marketplace, as was done the week before at MLK, as we are going to do this Saturday when we reach those kids at the puppets in the park. That is what we are called to do when we go into our job site, when we gather with our families, we are missionaries in this world for the glory of God. That is our mission. We have been given a mission by Christ. Do you do you have a zeal for that? Do you have a passion for that? Do you have a problem saying, I don't know if I really want to. I don't know if I really care to. Then ask God to give you a heart that is like his. 
Because his heart is what causes you to be sitting here this morning. Without the heart of God being passionate for people to come to himself, you would not be sitting here this morning. But you might be sitting or lying six feet deep in some grave or some mausoleum this morning. It is by and through the heart and passion of God for people that you are sitting here this morning. And who are we to say, well, I thank God that he got me. And not look to others and say, but what about them? Could that be one of God's chosen people? Let me go and bring to them the gospel and let God be God. Set apart ones are zealous for the great mission to be accomplished in this world. Fifth and finally... How can, we be, how can we be assured that the apostles and that we will be sanctified? How can we be assured that the apostles then and we today will be sanctified? Verse 19. Listen to this. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I set myself apart. That they also may be sanctified in the truth. Our assurance that they were sanctified and our assurance that we will be sanctified is this, that Christ himself was sanctified. He not only prays for them to be sanctified, he gives himself and all that he is to ensure that they will be sanctified. I set myself apart for what? How does he set himself apart for the father's will? What do you mean? He lays down his life. How does he set himself apart? How does he consecrate himself? He gives his life. And in giving his life, that is then the basis for our sanctification. Why? Because the apostles could not be set apart from God or for, for God or to God if they were not separated from their sin. The apostles could not be sanctified or set apart unto God if they were not first set apart from their sin. And how on earth is that accomplished? It is only accomplished as Christ sets himself apart and gives his life so that they will be set apart unto God. Our sanctification is only possible because of the Savior's sacrificial sanctification. In that sense, we share in the sanctification of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reiterates this truth over and over again in the book of Romans. We died with him, therefore we also rise with him. His life, death, and resurrection is our guarantee of our life, our death, and our resurrection of our sanctification. His death, his life, life, death, and resurrection are our guarantee. That we will be sanctified. That we will be set apart. And in that sense, Jesus is the answer to his own prayer. In that sense, Jesus is the very answer himself to his own prayer. We are justified in Christ's own justification. 1 Timothy 3.16 He was manifested in the flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world. 
taken up into glory. That is our assurance. That is our assurance. We are sanctified in Christ's own sanctification. He is our guarantee. Now, that doesn't make you cry. That doesn't make you weep. As past sermons in which I say, I know you're weak. He knows you're weak, but he still loves you. That makes you cry more than that. Do you realize there would be no tears without what I just said? There would be no moving of your spirit by God's spirit if what we have just said did not take place. You would still be dead in your sins if Christ did not set himself, sanctify himself apart for the cross. And we are so used to hearing about the cross. Don't ever stop being moved by the cross. Don't ever stop being moved by the cross. Therein lies your victory. Therein lies your victory. Therein lies your victory. Are we looking for tears? No. We're not looking for tears. We're looking you for you to be so moved that you are once again reminded that without that, you are nothing. Without that, you are nothing. He says, I lay down my life. Without this sacrifice, they will never be separated from their sins. How are you a sanctified Christian? Because of that, I consecrate myself. Have you trusted in Christ alone for your salvation? Have you been separated from your sins? Is your cry... Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, more than than anything, I want to live unto you. God's people are a people that have received God's word as it has been revealed in Christ Jesus. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it is set up by God's word revealed to us through his disciples. And as it is revealed to us, we pass it on. We, who have been set apart by God, we pass it on. God, please help us in those endeavors that you have called us to in our lives. Let us pray. Our Father, who reigns eternally in heaven, and who reigns on this earth, and who reigns under the earth, to you and to you alone be glory and honor and praise. You have by grace sanctified us and set us apart unto yourself. You have lovingly consecrated yourself at the cross. You have been our propitiation. You have become our peace. We come this morning and bring to you our shame and our guilt. We come to you this morning and bring to you not strength, God. And if we come and bring to you strength, then we come and ask for humility. No, we bring to you all of our weakness because without you we are not strong.
we come and ask that you make us strong once again. That you keep us strong in your grace. That you help us to persevere as the saints of God. Elected by God and eternally chosen by God. Oh God, give us passion for you. Passion for your word. Where do I start, one may say. You start by starting. Where do I begin? You begin by beginning. Give us the grace and the strength to do so, God.